welcome to the 12th House Podcast. I'm Michelle Pellison-Lipsitz, your co-host in the Headwitch in Charge here at Elasticism, and I'm delighted that you're tuning in to our podcast today. Thanks for joining us. Hey, what's up? How you doing? We're a place on the internet, a little corner, a web of the internet, if you will, where we talk about mystical productivity, what it is to be an intuitive entrepreneur, and really how our sacred work, capital S, capital W, how we do it and stay sane and stay magical. All the things, especially those of us with squiggly brains, as we like to call them, those of us who maybe identify as neurodivergent or hyperintuitive or super creative or nonlinear thinkers. So this podcast is all about finding those alternative solutions or trying them on, introducing them to you so you can feel them out for yourself and decide if maybe that's what you want to practice for the foreseeable future as you evolve and you know, self-actualized, no big deal. <laughs> Just light stuff over here at the 12th House Podcast. Hello, I'm Wallace, your sometimes co-host here at the 12th House Podcast. But today you will just have Michelle and our lovely guest, Les, from The Balanced Black Girl. We had some technical difficulties as, you know, happens from time to time, even though we... But you will hear from Les and Michelle talking today about creator communities. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking with a few different amazing creators who have built communities of all different shapes and sizes. And we want to speak to them to understand what their journey has been like, how they continue to do it, or if they decided to pause their communities or their work as a creator. Because being a creator in all different shapes and sizes or an intuitive entrepreneur, business owner, artist, or regular person in the world, really, <laughs> sometimes it's really hard to know when you're on the right track, but you just need to have a little consistency and persistence, or when it's time to actually switch things up. So this, among many, many other things, are things that we're talking to several different creators about over the following few weeks. So Les founded The Balanced Black Girl in 2018. She had years of feeling dissatisfied with the lack of diversity in wellness and in wellness content on large platforms. So this was really out of a need for what she was seeing within her community. And The Balanced Black Girl is now an online wellness community and podcast that speaks to healthy habits, productivity, personal finance, and self-care from the perspectives of black women. And if you don't know who she is, you will love hearing from her because she's such a badass and highly encourage you to check it out because she's so smart <laughs> and she has so many great tips, but she's also real and raw and honest and has introduced us and our community to so many other creators via her podcast. And, you know, she's got that Leo energy, so you can't, you can't look away. We're so grateful to have had Les come on. She's been a big part of the North Node community for a long time now. And we're really lucky to have met and work with creators and entrepreneurs like Les. I will let you get straight into this wonderful conversation. We hope you enjoy, and we will see you over the next few weeks with many more creators to come. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my God, we're honored. We're such fan girls of you. So just mutual <laughs> love fest. So we wanted to just start off with a question just to break the ice. You get to choose mm -hmm. which question you like, we would mm -hmm. like to answer. Mm -hmm. Here are your two options. You can either answer how many friends you have or how much money you make. 
<laughs> oh, both of those are funny because I'm like, I don't, I don't know for both of them. I guess for how many friends I have, I feel like of friends that I talk to on a regular basis and truly feel like close to, I'd say about eight. And then, that's a good, that's a big group. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, acquaintances, but I'd say probably like eight good friends. Are those like college friends, high school friends, work friends, a mix of all of the above? Yeah. It's a mix of like high school, college, post-college, mostly post-college. I'd say I only keep in touch with like a handful of people from, from before, but yeah, my little crew. That's, and are they all based in LA? Like, how do you stay close with those people? Because I, I, what I've noticed as I've gotten into my 30s is so many of my female friends and non-binary mm-hmm. friends have a really hard time staying close and like actually having friend groups. Just I think it's part of like this this stage of life, especially yeah. if you're a creator or an entrepreneur, because it can be really hard to find people who relate to you. So like, how did you keep that close? Eight people is a lot to be in your like <laughs> tight friend group, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely tricky. I would say of those eight people, it's segmented. So I have like a Seattle crew because that's where mm-hmm. I'm, I'm from. And then I have like an LA crew that I had to form when I got, actually when I moved to LA a few years ago, I made my own friend group, which was ambitious. I basically just invited <laughs> a bunch of like friends that I had made one-on-one to a group together, which could have been a disaster, but thankfully they all like loved each other and now we all you were the out. link you were the yeah. glue that brought them all together yeah and it worked out thankfully <laughs> I like that do you find that you're often the person who's like planning the things and organizing the things because you started it like you kicked it off or is it now feel like an equal distribution of like friend labor thankfully it's now an equal distribution so we usually have like monthly ish meetups and everyone will take turns either hosting or deciding what we're going to do you know setting it up and so we all take turns thankfully because if it was just me the friend group probably would have disintegrated by now (laughs) (laughs) yeah because you're insanely busy not only are you like running a media empire you also have a full-time job in tech which Mm -hmm. is uh, when you I did not know that about you until we started talking after Creators Cashing In, yeah. maybe before Creators Cashing In. I was just like, I'm sorry, gobsmacked because <laughs> you don't make it seem like you're stressed out or that you've got like so much going. Like it seems like you're busy, but not insanely busy, not two job, two full time jobs busy. Like, how do you do that? Oh, yeah. It's full on delusion and compartmentalizing for sure. Like master <laughs> compartmentalizer. Like, I am unwell. <laughs> It's like when I'm at work, I am I am at work and nothing else exists. And then when I'm working on Balanced Black Girl or like presenting myself online, like my job does not exist. Like that level wow. of delusion. <laughs> so and what's your, are you comfortable saying your day job? Yeah, yeah. So I work in content marketing. I'm actually an editor of one of my company's blogs. My company has several blogs that we use for lead gen. So I'm the editor of one of our blogs. So basically my life revolves around content just yeah. in different ways. Yeah, that's kind of nice because you can take what you learn at work and then and like often, at least you might not do this, but this is what I did when I worked for a tech company. I would take and use experiments, like make experiments there (laughs) and use their money to experiment with what worked and what didn't. And then I'd be Mm -hmm. like, cool, I learned a bunch of stuff. I'm going to apply this to what I do now. Oh, exactly. That's exactly (laughs) what I do. And it's the best learning ground, best testing ground. It's been a really good kind of mix of both. That's great. And you can, in a way, kind of get feedback on your ideas because you're working on a team, which 
is one of the perks of obviously working at a company. And I think one of the challenging things about working for yourself is that you don't often have a sounding board unless you really go out of your way to find a mentor or a coach or other people, contemporaries, but that can still be really challenging. Oh, yeah. And I mean, a lot of people talk about entrepreneurship and having a nine to five job as if they're at ends, but I've actually found that they can complement each other really beautifully because I've learned so much having a nine to five, being a manager, running a team, setting goals and objectives. It's great that now that I'm beginning to hire people and grow a team in my business, I know how to do that versus if I'd never managed people or never worked with people, it would be so much harder. Oh my God. And I think that's actually something that a lot of content creators that maybe have never had a full-time job before or a traditional Mm -hmm. quote unquote job, they really struggle with that, right? Of like, how do I create a healthy team dynamic? How do I manage people and work with other people? And also maybe a little bit be like the face of a company, which Mm -hmm. can be really hard, be sort of the center or the star of the show, but, but also be a manager. That's a hard act to juggle. How are you kind of doing that right now? Yeah. Yeah. I do it. I like to add one layer at a time on in my business. So I try not to just go totally in the deep end of like launching 10 different types of content and hiring on a bunch of people and doing all of the things. I try to focus on one thing at a time only. Well, I have, I have done, done it the other way and crashed and burned. Um, so what happened? I like, I want to know all about that. Oh, I mean, just worst self, best self. Like when you were your worst self. Yeah. Yeah, just severe burnout, severe overwhelm. I remember at one point I was getting super overwhelmed with podcasting that I was getting reviews from my listeners basically saying like, I can hear the stress in your voice. You need to take a break. And I was like, Wait, okay, let's pause. That's let's an email, re-evaluate. not a review on a podcast. I'm sorry. If you have that feedback, that's so that's so valuable. But you don't have to put it out for everyone to see. You can email the person and let them know that. I know. I know. <laughs> it was it was a big wake up call for sure to change yeah. some things. What was going on in your life that you were you just like it was work, 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 nine to five work, building the podcast and then hiring other people on and kind of doing it all at the same time? So at that time, I was actually doing two episodes a week, and that was when I was doing everything myself. Like I was doing my own editing, I was booking all the guests, I was doing all the things. I know (laughs) that is like being unwell. And then my job at the time, I was working in in this like startup environment that was so chaotic and stressful and borderline abusive. And I was working as a social media manager of all things, which is like if you want a job that is gonna destroy your mental health, be a social media manager at a startup up um so it was it was kind of a recipe for disaster (laughs) oh my god learned how to scale back and outsource things (laughs) and quit a lot of crying yeah Yeah. lots of of therapy (laughs) so I posted something on Instagram the other day saying because I like to do this thing where people just tell me what they're thinking about and it's just so cool to see like what's in other people's brains like what are Mm -hmm. they rolling around and someone mentioned that they just started a part-time job and they're so happy because they had been an entrepreneur working on their own thing and they're like it's so nice to not think about my day job and to just like it's really expanded my creativity and I think you replied or liked it or something like that because I said the same thing when I got a tech job it was such a relief because I didn't have to make my my passion, my work all the time in everything that I did. And I'm curious, what's your perspective on that? And how does that kind of play into your worldview and how you see your capital W work, like your sacred work? 
Oh, I love this question. And I mean, I think a big part of that is why I've continued to have a nine to five for so long is that I didn't want to put the pressure of my survival on the thing that I love to do. I mean, it will be amazing when it, it does provide in that way, but when it is still so new, I mean, if we think about our businesses as, you know, people, it's like, okay, my business is four years old. That's like a preschooler. That's very young. I would not expect a four-year-old to provide for me. So why am I asking that of my business, you know, with where it's at in its current stage? And so having that peace of mind of at least knowing that your basic needs are taken care of, that you can get a little bit of a break. Because I also think when you have your own business or you do your own thing, it can be all consuming where it's all you think about, it's all you look at. And that can be so stifling for creativity. You know, at holisticism, we made this word up to describe holisticism, to describe our sort of philosophical approach to the world or the meaning making system that we use to see the world. What's your sort of like personal philosophy or meaning making system on like how you want to be in the world around you? Ooh, love this question. I'm all about simplicity. And I feel like a big way my brain works is like anytime I get a new piece of information or I'm presented with any problem or anything that doesn't make sense, my first inclination is to break it down and to put it into the simplest terms possible or simplest form possible Mm -hmm. or foundation to try to understand it. So anytime I'm trying to solve a problem or something feels really complex or I feel really stuck, I'm like, what is the smallest possible building block that I can understand something or think of something differently and then proceed from there. So it's just simplification is probably my biggest Mm. meaning making system that helps me learn and move forward and just not be stuck. Where'd you learn that? I love that. I think it's just part of how my brain works. I think I'm someone who gets very easily overwhelmed with a lot of information. Like if someone gives me too much information, then my, that's when my squiggle kicks in and I am like, okay, what do I need to know in this moment? Everything else does not exist. (laughs) And I think it's honestly just been like a coping mechanism for getting through school, for getting through work and for like functioning. That's such a good technique for people who have anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like you can't worry and future trip about the 100 steps or a thou- infinite steps that lay in front of you. You just have to worry about the next best step that you're going to take and that's it because that's all that you can really plan on, right? Yep, exactly. What is the smallest building block right in front of me? So how does that kind of apply to your work as what we call your sacred work? Not necessarily your purpose, because I think, I don't know, I'd love to hear your perspective on this. I think our purpose is always changing throughout our lives. Oh, yeah. Do you feel like you have one purpose that you're stuck on? What's really interesting is that I I recently was in Costa Rica and I got my birth chart read by a really wonderful astrologer there. Fun. Um, And she was amazing. And through looking at my chart, she actually said that my purpose was to be in community and to like thrive in community. And so for the past few weeks, since I had that conversation, I've been thinking a lot about what that means. And I'm still not fully sure how that shows up in (laughs) my life. I think it it means that community-oriented work is a big part of what I do. And so right now, that could be my podcast and what I'm building there. And in the future, that could be something totally different. Mm -hmm. But I do think purpose is often like a common theme or a common thread that can kind of weave through what we do. But it doesn't have to be one output or one occupation. And I think we get stuck when we really focus on that part. I agree. I think so many people get caught up trying to figure out what is their quote unquote purpose, like the one big thing. And you, 
if you're just oriented towards that, you're not living. Like mm-hmm. you're not yeah. like your pur- purpose is showing up in every single moment for us. Like right. we get to experiment and play with it. You must have a lot of 10th. Do you have 10th house, like a lot of 10th house stuff going on in your birth chart? Do you remember? Yeah. Well, I'm a Leo sun and my Leo placement is in my 10th house. So oh. where that Leo Oh my God. Yeah. You're like the star of like community. Very career, <laughs> career oriented. <laughs> but then I also have an Aquarius North node, which is where I think that community aspect really yeah. comes in. Oh, that's so cool. I have my Mercury Aquarius in the 10th house. Mm. So it's about community and be, like communicating with people and mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. For you, how do you know when you're on track with your like with that purpose, sort of like ephemeral purpose? And maybe like how do you or maybe it's easier to actually answer. How do you know when you're off track or like you've been derailed? Yeah, that's a good question. That's something that I'm still trying to figure out because I think I feel more on track when I'm not solely <laughs> thinking about and worrying about myself, which as a Leo is tricky. <laughs> it's, in, it's direct conflict. <laughs> wait, wait to self-drag. I love I know, that. I know. It's all this self-awareness. So it's, it's tricky when I can like bring other people along with me and, and feel like other people are on the ride too. That's when I think I feel like I'm on the right track. But when I feel like every problem is for me to solve or all of the weight is on my shoulders, that's when I'm like, okay, pause, time out. We got to move some things around here. Mm, yeah. There's also that built in accountability when there's other people involved where mm-hmm. you're like, well, I can't quit. Cause like these people are relying on me or I know that this is meaningful what I'm doing, even though I'm feeling like a real sack of shit right now. Like I need to kind of push through this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> At least that, that's what I tell myself a lot of the time where I'm like, I can't, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. I, I suck. I'm like, wait, <sighs> take a breath. It's okay. Other people are relying on you. Like it's time to figure this out. Exactly. Exactly. Oh man, I love that you're a Leo because you're such a soft-spoken Leo to me. <laughs> it's, it's. I think it's because Leo was my only fire. I have no. You kind other. of got the. You've got the attributes of Leo too because you have the like kind of youthful, childlike face, and you've got big like gorgeous hair, and you have like a striking presence. You know, mm-hmm. uh, my husband's a Leo too, and he has like he had crazy red hair before he went bald, but he has like big Leo energy. I love Kinda it. like you. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I like the quiet Leo energy, you know, it, it sneaks up on you. <laughs> Me too. I think Leo's got this bad rap as like wanting to be the center of attention all the time and being like annoying, but they're, they're not all the time. Right. Right. Thank you. <laughs> You're not. Yeah. <laughs> You're a good example. <laughs> this also, I know so much of what you do, obviously balanced black girl is about finding balance or equilibrium, not necessarily homeostasis, but like navigating between the highs and lows in life and work for when you look back on maybe your work process or your creative process, or even just your life in general, when were, when was a time where you, you thought you were like absolutely crushing it? So healthy, like on your shit girl bossing, but you were actually like maybe super toxic or you're like, that wasn't healthy for me, even though I totally thought that it was. Oh yeah. Gaslight girl boss gatekeep. Great question. I would probably say at the beginning of my career, Mm -hmm. I, 
graduated into the Great Recession. <laughs> Good times. Hey that yo. was so Same. fun. And I was <laughs> Trial really... Trial by fire, man. It was... Oh, man. That was just... What a time. We've Our generation <laughs> has just had great timing on everything. But I, I was really, really... Part of it was luck. Part of it was work. I was fortunate to have landed like a corporate job my senior year of college. So I knew exactly what I was going to be doing. It was like a super stuffy, super old corporate environment. And I just totally thought like, cool, this is my life. This is my career. I'll do this for like 40 years and then I'll retire. You're like and pantsuits then... forever. I will Absolutely. take one in every color. Yeah. <laughs> and I was an absolute monster because I hated it and I was miserable. But the idea that other things existed or that I could do other things did not even occur to me. So I thought like, oh, I have to be this person. I have to be in this corporate environment. I have to climb the ladder. So I was climbing the ladder in this competitive environment, absolutely hating it, absolutely like miserable, probably not a good coworker, not a good teammate, not a good person to be around because I just didn't even know that other things existed. I thought I had to like gaslight girl boss gatekeep. Um, At that time, that kind of was the only strategy, right? you know, to like survive in a place like that. Really, mm-hmm. But like, even when we graduated from college around that time, like being an influencer wasn't a thing or no. not that you're an influencer, but being a content creator was not a viable job prospect. Like Mm-mm. having a podcast wasn't a job. It was a hobby that like 10 people did from their garage. You know, right. it wasn't like something that people could do. It's insane it's insane how many like incredible creative gigs have popped up over the last 15 years that it's, it's very exciting, I think for young people, but for, for us, what an adjustment to go from like, oh yeah, this is the only path to success and like, no one's going to help me and I'm going to have to figure it out and I'm going to just have to hate my life to, whoa, like maybe I can do this creative career and, and feel fulfilled. And I think that's why millennials have had such a hard time bouncing back between both of those things right we like took the perspective that maybe applied to rising the ranks through corporate america and applied it to our creative jobs and then we obviously ran into burnout exactly i mean i feel like we as a generation have just had whiplash between all these (laughs) different worlds that we're constantly coexisting in and bouncing between (laughs) yeah and now gen z is telling us how embarrassing and cringy we are and like everything that we do we should just be offline because we're so fucking old i'm like okay listen you guys (laughs) just calm down like hilarious (laughs) i feel like the gen z millennial millennial discourse is absolutely hilarious to me i also can't take it seriously because i'm like i'm not arguing with someone born after 1995 i'm sorry it just is not a thing that's gonna happen (laughs) so like that's cool you and your like whatever it is middle part I don't know enjoy that but like you don't know what you're talking about (laughs) yeah I I know I think we are being pretty gentle on them as a generation of just like okay that's cool you can you can bring low-rise jeans back we're not gonna wear them but you can wear them it's okay like do your thing and like when you reach your second puberty at 27 you will wholeheartedly understand why we don't like you're gonna be 30 one day I know it seems like never and you probably think that like 30 year olds are decrepit and in a few years when that's you you're gonna you're gonna change your mind about some things and that's okay yeah I I kind of have this theory that 
Gen, you know, fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Those trauma <laughs> responses. <laughs> so Gen Z is fight, and millennials are fawn mm-hmm. because we're kind of just like, yeah, whatever, do your thing. Like, we just want to be likable, and, you know, affable. And meanwhile, Gen Z is like, fuck you, fuck you, you're wrong. I'm gonna fight with you on the internet. <laughs> and I'm like, enjoy, enjoy, beloved. You fight that yeah. fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have the energy, please, by all right. means. <laughs> so on that note, talking about personality types and ways of coping, what would you like, what would you call your organizational personality type? Because I think if someone were to look at you from the outside, they'd be like, oh, you're insanely organized. You're type A. You're not a Leo. You're a Virgo or a Capricorn. But from the inside, what is your organizational personality type? Yeah, love this question. So I will say, even though I'm a Leo sun, literally the whole entirety of the rest of my chart is earth. And sometimes that's great. And sometimes it's like, okay, I have to like relax. (laughs) Actually, when I had my chart read by the astrologer in Costa Rica, she was looking at my chart and she was like, you're very grounded. And she was like, you're too grounded. She was basically like, please do drugs, like do something. Plant medicine. You are under the earth's crust. You are so grounded. She was like, please, like ascend a little bit. She literally encouraged me to do to do drugs, which I think is hilarious. Okay. Um, We should we should talk about that because I was I didn't do drugs until I was like twenty eight. Like ever. And I think it totally changed my life in a good way. MDMA and mushrooms. Yeah. I would love to hear more about that because I recently tried psilocybin for the first time and I wanna try it again. But did you microdose or did you macrodose? I feel like I medium dosed. It was somewhere in between. (laughs) Good. That's healthy. No, that's good. That's good. That's where you want to be, where you're like, I might throw up, but I'm also not having a full ego death. Exactly. This is is a vibe. Yeah. Right, right. But as far as organization goes, I mean, I'm all about kind of going back to to what I said earlier about simplification. I'm always like, Mm -hmm. with this process, how can I eliminate five steps? How can I make this even easier? How can I make this even simpler with every single thing that I do? And it probably drives everybody who I work with absolutely crazy because I'm like, how can we make this easier? How can we eliminate a step? How can we automate this and make this a little bit less, you know, labor for, for everything? So for everything that I do, there's usually like a domino effect. It'll be like one action. That's a domino effect that makes five other things happen automatically. Like with my podcast production is like a very well-oiled machine where I have very specific times that I record. I have a very specific process for booking guests and it's super automated. So like the second they click the link to book a time for an interview, it's like I get their headshot. I get all of their information. I get, you know, what they want to promote. It creates like a little automated booklet where they have all the information Mm -hmm. to record. It like sends an email to me, sends an email to my producer, and then we automatically like do everything in Notion. And it's like probably ridiculous process on the outside, but it makes our lives a lot easier. I'm all about making things easier because I'm pretty lazy. And so organization for me is like lazy. I don't know if you're (laughs) lazy. I would not call you lazy, but that I think a lot of people have a hard time making ease in their work because they were they equate difficulty to value or Mm -hmm. to like wanting to be paid more right well if I worked really hard on this thing I'm gonna I don't know it'll do better maybe because I spent more time on it which is not necessarily true oh no I wholeheartedly disagree I think oftentimes the the value that we get back from things comes from our experience comes from 
our perspectives, from our willingness to solve problems, but I don't necessarily think spending you know, more time in my computer makes my work more valuable. You're a smart person because I think <laughs> especially, I mean, it's also, it's, you, you seem very self-assured and like you have self-knowledge that you're confident in because I think working in a nine to five environment, we're told the opposite, right? Like mm-hmm. butts in seats, culture, like the longer you're here, the more value valuable you are, even though you're spending six of those hours, like fucking around on the computer and not actually working. Right. And that like that sort of whiplash between those two things to, to be so clear for yourself, like that's really impressive to me. I'm very weak minded. So if I'm in an environment like that, I feel like I'm like easily peer pressure. And I'm like, you're right. I should just be here till 9 p.m. But I need to like that's why I work by myself. I need to like kind of keep my keep my blinders on. So I remember what's important to me. How do you do that? Yeah. I mean, I think a, a part of it is like just personal rebellion. The Leo. Like, Yeah, that's where that comes out. Just that personal rebellion of wanting to feel like I spend my time in ways that truly matter to me. And I'm constantly going back and forth with auditing my time, auditing how I spend my time. I recently recorded a podcast episode about time abundance and like treating my time like an asset, treating it like money and budgeting it and investing it and wanting it to grow and wanting a return. And so I'm constantly looking at, okay, how am I spending my time? How long did this take me? Is that in alignment with how I want to invest? invest my time? Is that going to deplete what I have? Is it going to depreciate or is it going to appreciate? And I just look at time and, and everything related to time from that lens. It's so smart because really money just buys you time. That's yeah. what wealth does. It buys mm-hmm. you more time. So yeah. if you're looking for abundance, like some, so often we're like, I just want my bank account to grow. But really what we're looking for is more time in our mm-hmm. lives with the people we care about or downtime or rest. I, I love that idea of time abundance, especially for people who have squiggly brains who time is like a black hole to us a lot of oh, yeah. often. <laughs> it's, it's, I only, I mean, I feel like the only time that I acknowledge is like nature's measures of time, seasons, moon cycle. Outside of that, it's any other measurement of time. I cannot comprehend. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have spatial synesthesia? Have you heard of this? I have heard of it. I don't, but I'm so fascinated by it. Yeah, there's this is how I see the calendar, but basically like you see time in a different way than like yeah. other people. And often if you have this sort of like the way that you kind of think nonlinearly about time, if you're able to do that, you might have this form of spatial synesthesia. So I'm yeah, curious. I might, I might, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if I, if I did. <laughs> we only have a couple minutes left, but my last question is what would you whisper to your past self? Maybe like when you were starting the balanced black girl, what would you go and like whisper in her ear? That's such a good question because I so miss, I miss when I was launching Balanced Black Girl. I actually think of that as yeah. like one of the best times in my life because I felt so, when I got the idea and when I honed in on the mission, I felt so convicted and excited and just that pure excitement of it really mm-hmm drove my work for that first year of it that I almost just wish I could like bottle up that feeling and like drink it, sell it. I don't know. (laughs) All of the above. Yeah. Yeah, It's like Um, that mix of like naivete and just like excitement and just like why, like I almost picture like doe-eyed, just like looking at the world through rose-colored glasses. And there's something so magical about creating content that no one consumes yet. And people, when they become content creators, are like, I want my audience to be bigger. I want this. I want that. And I'm like, but there's, when no one's listening, you are the most free. It can be whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. And so 
Yes, having an audience, great. That's an amazing next step, but there's so much freedom and beauty in creating something when no one's watching yet that I almost missed that because it was just very much what I wanted. And so I think Mm -hmm. if I could whisper anything to myself at that time, it would be to be really present in that and to really enjoy that and not put so much emphasis on looking forward to the next thing. Yeah. And and you hear people tell you that too, when you first get started, they're like, enjoy it, just have fun. You're like, no, I want to be successful. Like I want to, or whatever successful is, right? Quote unquote. What what was the shift for you where you're like, whoa, we have hit the next level or plateau. Was it like an overnight thing or was there an event where you were like, oh, okay, this is like actually a thing? Yeah. I would say about nine months after I started the podcast, I did a a live podcast uh, when I was still living in Seattle and I was completely convinced that like no one would show up, no one would come, (laughs) no one would care. And it ended up selling out and we had like hundreds of people there. It was packed. We had people like just pull up at the door basically. Like I didn't get a ticket, but I want to come. And so when I saw all of those people who really loved and supported the work, some, you know, family and friends, but a lot of whom I didn't know, that's when I was like, oh, this is like a real, this is a real thing. These are real people who are really invested in this and it's bigger than just me. That's so cool. What do you think got that initial group of hundreds of people to start following the podcast? Was Did you remember what that sort of like catalyst moment was? It was a couple of things. One, when I started the podcast, I had before then been a fitness influencer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't be ashamed I, get it which was Who fun was and then I, right we I feel like we all were you know in like 2015 yeah. right what a time and <laughs> and I'd taken a break by 2018 I'd gotten super burned out of fitness super burned out of gym culture and wellness you know capital wellness culture that I had taken a break and and had taken some time off of social media and completely stepped away from it and I was getting these messages from women who were like hey Les I know you're taking a break but when you're not posting I don't see other black women talking about wellness in my feed I don't see women of color talking Whoa. about wellness in my feed I only saw oh, you I just got chills yeah yeah and so I was getting messages like that from people where I was like okay clearly there's there's a need here maybe it doesn't have to be just me doing this. Maybe I can introduce my audience to other people in the space doing this as well. And so that's where the podcast came from and the idea for it. So I think because the idea for it came from a need that other people expressed to me, you know, my ideal listener was able to immediately connect with it. And then I do think a lot of it was word of mouth. People sharing it with their friends was like super helpful. But yeah, I think it it was those two things. I think it was that it met a need that had been pretty clearly expressed. And then thankfully, everyone who listened would would share it with their friends and it grew from there you've been a pro at building community since you started like you had you had that sort of community that you grew as an influencer and I think it takes someone who's really intelligent to be able to notice what people are asking for and not just take what they're asking for directly but also infer what the greater need is underneath that what the problem is and then finding a solution for it because so often we think we know our problem (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. as consumers but we don't we don't actually and we don't actually have a solution for it because if we did we wouldn't have the problem so for all the creators out there like it's this it's this artistic balance of yes this is what people want and this is what does well but how can I like push it even more how can I use my intuition to like carve out what is going to also feel really good for me to make but solve this problem for the people who are in my in my crew 
Exactly. And you're so good at that. Okay. I'm obsessed with tools and <laughs> hacks and what people love. Obviously, as a notion, hard stand. So what are your top tools or habits or mm, the app that you can't live without? Yeah. I mean, not to sound like a broken record, but I do love me some Notion. And I mean, I am oh, like a Notion for Magical sing Baddies it from the roof, alum. Roof you know, I've taken, <laughs> taken several of, of your Notion for Magical Baddies classes, which have helped so much. I would say Systems and Spells was really, really helpful for me getting oh, systems out I'm of so my glad. head and out into the world. And so, um, you know, Balanced Black Girl really runs on Notion. It's how I communicate with my team. It's where I create all of my content. It's where we manage everything. So that is like a big one. Also, I mean, I'm a big like Google Calendar gal because, you know, can't live without it. If it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. Google Calendar invites are my love language. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I got to have, you know, the different calendars for different things. I have, you know, a podcast oh, you, you have to. calendar, a meeting calendar, a self-care calendar. It, it all has to align. <laughs> have you heard of the app Clockwise? I have not. What is that? Okay. You might like this. It yeah. finds time on your Google calendar for focus time and then Ooh. it automatically blocks it off so that no one can schedule during your focus time during the week. Oh, I love that. I will absolutely be checking that out clockwise. We'll definitely download that. I'm trying to think if there's any other tools. I mean, Acuity is a big one. Love me some Acuity for scheduling. That's also how I manage the podcast. And it's what has my little automations. Zapier, also great for creating zaps and automations. Yeah, I'd say that's my my stack currently. (laughs) You're tech queen. I love it. This was fabulous you are a vision a force an inspiration to us all and I love hearing how your brain works what's the next thing that's on your docket that you're building and that you're really excited about and that we can look forward to Ooh, yes. So I now have a community manager on my team, which is very exciting. And we're building out a a space for a little balanced black girl group chat and and formal community to bring back conversations about the podcast, community to connect, bringing back book club. Back in the day, I used to do a book club that like became larger than life because our (laughs) first book was becoming and then we ended up doing a book club with Michelle Obama when she like visited Seattle. Another story for a different time. The book club went like, and then after that, I felt so much pressure. I was like, Michelle Obama came. Like we, I can't do this. We're done. We're done after the first book. Yeah. 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 So we're going to bring back the book club, but I'm, I don't think Michelle Obama is going to join us this time. I'm sorry if if you weren't there in 2019 when she did. You never know. You never know. Yeah. Maybe. Never say never. But yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited for our little balance balance baddies clubhouse that that we're building so by the end of the year we should have our little our our little community space for people to come hang out with us amazing is it going to be on geneva or mighty networks or facebook geneva yeah is what we're we're leaning towards love that platform it's so good and they have so much good stuff coming down the pipe like Mm -hmm. for creators for monetization and i if I could move our Mighty Networks group over to Geneva, I totally would. But at this point, it's a lost cause. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Once once you've got roots, it's hard to move it. It is. But that's so exciting. Okay. So we're going to have to look and get on your email list and know when yes. that drops and when we can join. Yes, exactly. I will make sure I share a link with y'all so people can find yeah, it. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was so fun to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I had a blast. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Thank you for having me.
拜。